Well, I sincerely hope that you have uh, made it through okay. I know at the Grieve household, we had a wonderful time. Uh, it's always, uh, to some degree, a great accomplishment to be on this side of Christmas. And we can all <laughs> affirm that we have made it and live to tell about it. It's a big deal. And for all of that, we are extremely thankful. We had a great time yesterday. Uh, I ate uh, way too much. I may not eat for days. Well, I learned a long time ago that you're uh, not allowed to lie, lie in the pulpit, so I'm not going to do that today. I will eat later today, I, I can assure you. And how about the weather yesterday? It was just crazy. It was like we were having uh, Christmas in Florida. I wore shorts all day. I did it for one reason. I wanted to remember, hey, that Christmas where I wore shorts all day, you know. I loved all my gifts. It was great uh, not only to give gifts, but also to receive them. Uh, you might have noticed I'm wearing my Christmas sweater, and it is a beauty, I'll tell you. As they say on Christmas vacation, it's a beaut, Clark, and indeed it is. I wear it with great pride. Christmas is one of those uh, wonderful seasons of the year. Some say it is the most wonderful of all the seasons. And today we do come together to reflect on how God's wonder, the wonder of Christ being born in the world is, uh, is and has <coughs> made a difference in our lives. I'm glad that we're together to take that opportunity and to, to reflect yet again that Christ is born. Today we consider two faithful souls. They lived with uh, hope that Christ would come. Their names are Anna and Simeon. We read about them as Luke begins to wrap up his account of Christ's birth. Uh, they're two um, very important personalities, and they, they teach us of hope and of, of thanksgiving and of, uh, of the importance of having the anticipation of, of Christ uh, coming into the life of the world. So we first uh, read about Simeon, and we find that in um, Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 32, and you find uh, that uh, text on the boards. Let's uh, hear this from God's Word. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and, and Mary uh, took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And, uh, and as he is uh, consecrated to the Lord to offer a sacrifice in, in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or, or two pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, 
Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. This is God's word for God's people. Mary and Joseph wanted to do right by Jesus. When the time came for Jesus to be presented to the temple for purification, they, they took him to Jerusalem to, um, to be dedicated to the Lord. They were greeted by Simeon, who lived with the belief that he would not die before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Upon taking Jesus in his arms, he essentially said, okay, Lord, you can now dismiss your servant with peace. Simeon knew that um, he was in the presence of the one that the Lord had promised all along, that one would be, as Simeon prayed, and he he said that that one would be a, a light to the Gentiles and bring glory to Israel. He was destined for the rising and falling of many. Simeon dedicated his whole life to waiting. He put his hope in the Lord. He lived with a firm trust that God would not let him down. It was what Simeon was all about. The prophet Isaiah states it famously in in Isaiah 40, 31. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. It very well may be that you have heard that passage before. You may even have it memorized. You may even have it needle-pointed and and have it uh, displayed somewhere in your house. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. God does not fail us, even as we wait, as we place our hope in Him. Expectation, anticipation, and hope put us to trusting in God, and they put us to doing that every time. And as we are full of anticipation, as we expect great things, as we put our hope in God, His divine purposes begin to be worked out in our lives. Because we find ourselves uh, so much more so in the place of faith, so much more open and ready to allow God's purposes to be worked out through us. Hold fast, just as uh, Simeon did, and you will not be disappointed. So just as we have talked all through the season of Advent about expectation and anticipation, where we've even uh, focused on, on that important notion of hope, keep at it as you move into the days ahead. God will not disappoint you as you place your faith and trust in Him. There is every reason for us to be hopeful. Well, let's pause and we read now about Anna. She is the second of our two faithful souls. And we find this account about Anna in Luke 2, verse 36 through 40. Hear this from God's word. There was also a, a, a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Peniel, of the tribe of Asher. She 
was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow and, until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And again, this is God's word for God's people, a good word about Anna. Anna was one who placed her hope in God, even to the point of, of sacrifice, hoping to the end that, uh, that, that Christ would indeed come. Hers was a was a hope of, of deep commitment. She never left the temple. In fact, she bedded down there. She worshiped God day and night. Hers was a regular f- practice of, of prayer and fasting. Her hope was so intense, so heartfelt, that she gave herself over to it, praying and fasting, worshiping God, literally around the clock. She, she longed for Christ, and the scripture tells us that, that she did this basically her whole life long. The scripture's quite clear that she was, was up in years. Hers was, was not a response of, uh, upon seeing Jesus of, of what took you so long, but one of, uh, of thanksgiving. There, Mary and Joseph uh, presents Jesus, uh, this, this newborn, at the rite of purification. Anna, having waited... Uh, her whole life long, not so much begrudging the Lord for, for waiting so long, but, but really offering her thanksgiving, that prayer and thanksgiving, that continual worship of God brought her to the place where she had a thankful heart. So what about you as we all pull away from Christmas? Are you just worn out? Are you let down to a certain degree? Or are you thankful for having met Jesus? Are you thankful for for Jesus being born? Are you thankful for Jesus being born anew in your life? If you're just worn out or let down, maybe you were seeking after the wrong things after all. Maybe your focus was, uh, was misplaced. It is never too late to get your focus right. It is never too late to, to meet Jesus. It is never too late to champion the fact that he is born into the life of this world and that we have the, the opportunity to be born again, to be, to be born anew in Christ. Take a cue from Anna. If you dig deeply into to what she was about, who she was, and how she dedicated her life to the Lord, Take your cue from Anna. Stay focused. Be thankful. And in the end, find yourself uh, ready to, to go and tell everyone of the things that you have experienced. All of these things were very much in the mix of, of who Anna was. Staying focused, being thankful, and ready to go and, and tell all the things that you have seen and heard. Anna, just like Simeon, remained hopeful and in the end was not disappointed.
All through uh, Advent and Christmas, we have been considering the images of Christmas, the voice of the, of the angel, uh, the prayers of a mother, the, the faith of a, of a father, the joy of the shepherds, and, of course, the, the birth of a baby. These have been the images upon which our focus has, has been. What images of, of Christmas have you had? as you've walked this journey of Advent leading up to Christmas? What are the images of, of Christmas that, that have emblazoned your, your hearts and, and minds? I'm, I'm sure that you, you have had uh, uh, good ones, and then there have been some of the images of Christmas that have sort of crept in that have been not so good. That's sort of the, the tension, the struggle of this, of this season in which we find ourselves. There have been, uh, been two images of Christmas that have been uh, a particular blessing to me. They have come at, 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 at surprising ways, just kind of reflecting on the, on the flow of Christmas and the, the things that uh, I found myself in, involved in. First, I, I found myself overwhelmed by the enormity of uh, gifts that were amassed for the, the angel tree this year. You know, I mentioned that in passing uh, last week, and I, I wanted to unpack that just a little bit. You know, I was standing just, just behind the sanctuary here, uh, just, just out, in the, out in the lobby, loading uh, a stack of gifts into a, a bag that would be marked for a child. And, and I saw all the gifts there, and I you know, just looked at them, but I, I began to place them one by one in the, the, the bag, and before I knew it, I began to think to myself, you know, this bag is going to get really, really full, and I just kept taking one gift after another. And it dawned on me of the great generosity of this, uh, this congregation, and not just with that one bag full of, uh, of gifts, but, but, but gifts that, uh, that, that went from one edge of the lobby to, to the other. It was really quite something. You know, there is uh, this tension in, uh, in, in the Christmas season, and, and it marks very well with our, uh, w- with our uh, scriptures for today of, of this, this deep sense of hopefulness, and yet that, uh, that struggle that comes where, where we at times feel hopeless. I began to, to dig even deeper in some of my thoughts and reflections on all those gifts that were were along the, the outside of the sanctuary. You know, for many of those families, in fact, for all of them, uh, there was a degree, clearly, of, 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 a, of a lack of hope. You know, how are we really going to be able to do Christmas? In particular, how, how will we be able to do Christmas for the, the children that are a part of our, our household? And here we come, not of anything that we do so much ourselves, but how God leads us. Here we come, offering hope. It was one of the images for me of a deep and abiding hope, even in the mix of hopelessness. So maybe there were those opportunities, those times where, uh, where uh, persons like Anna and Simeon in, in their devout lives had those uh, moments where it just... They just kind of awaken to the fact, wow, can I remain hopeful in the coming of Christ? And then Christ comes, and neither one of those 
two great individuals in Scripture were disappointed, Christ presented before them. That current of hope and hopelessness, and in those gifts that we gave a couple of weeks ago, they uh, provided hope for those who very well may have been otherwise hopeless. Here's another image of Christmas that, that struck me. It's, it's again, um, somewhat similar. I, I found myself overwhelmed by the outpouring of generosity toward those that suffered so dramatically during the, the tornadoes that, that ravaged the uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we've, we began to know of even some individuals that Cheryl and I know directly that uh, really have had a, a pretty tough go of it in their homes, uh, their home rather uh, being uh, in one, one instance pretty, pretty much uh, destroyed, a big, a big deal. Last week, uh, we sent a check for $24,000 to our conference center in support of uh, the United Methodist Committee on Relief's efforts there. $24,000, and I'm, I'm sure there'll be uh, more money to come in. I'm very confident of that because people gave me uh, uh, checks on, on, uh, on, on Chris, right during the Christmas Eve services. $24,000. We sent another check for $5,000 directly to the First United Methodist Church in Mayfield, Kentucky. I know I talked about uh, Joy Reed's uh, testimony. That's a big deal. And we, uh, we need to be thankful that we uh, stood with the opportunity to be able to, to help out. I want to strike yet again that image that is uh, very much a part of life so often. Uh, it's a part of the Christmas experience, you know, having hope, great hope, uh, and yet uh, knowing that there is uh, hopelessness in our, in our midst. You know, that money, whatever amount that it was, whether it was $24 or $24,000, you know, those folk, I'm sure, stood uh, outside their homes, many grieving deeply over the loss of life in some instances, that, that deep hopelessness that, that weighs down. And then to receive aid and support uh, gives an opportunity for, for hope to ultimately reign supreme. And that is, the, uh, that is the message of what we've been about over these uh, past few weeks of Advent and leading up to, to Christmas. There is hope. Uh, you're going to make it. And that becomes a, a great in, in encouragement. So, those are images of Christmas for me. And they track very well with this great story of Anna and, and Simeon, uh, hope and hopelessness. All of us struggle with that. But God has a way of uh, intersecting our lives, of uh, convincing us, of, of reassuring us that Jesus is indeed born. And in his birth, we have every reason to be hopeful. Many mornings, uh, particularly during the winter, I find myself uh, running uh, along the, the river. We, we live kind of overlooking the river. I don't want to leave you with the wrong impression. You know, when the leaves are all down and you look out our, Christ, uh, our kitchen window in between this tree and that tree, you can sort of kind of maybe see the river. But it's down there, I can assure you. And Cheryl and I run down that way every day, and when I say that we run down that way every day, we, that also means that we run up that way every morning. It's a big deal, I can assure you. All that being said, 
particularly on winter mornings. There's a lot of fog, particularly down in and around the, the river. And sometimes the, the fog is, is so thick that all you can do is put one foot in front of the other. That's much like it is, particularly as we continue to move through this pandemic. You know, we, we continue to, to use that, that term liminal time. A liminal time is an uncertain time. A liminal time is a, a time where we really are not so sure how things or where things are going to end up. Recently, our, our bishop, Leonard Fairley, wrote about liminal times in a brief Advent devotional. He said this, We may be traveling through a liminal season, but for those with eyes to see and ears to hear, God knows where we are going. We can trust God's narrative in the coming of Christ once again in the fullness of time. We trust the coming of Christ enough to place one foot at a time into Jesus' footprints, which always leads to hope. In that sense, you and I find ourselves in the already, but not yet. That's a phrase that's kicked around every now and then. That's, that's basically the pra- place that we find ourselves as people of faith, as, as Christian people, the already, but not yet. Hope is, is uh, already a part of our experience. Christmas reinforces that in a very, uh, a very profound way. Christ is born. That's the already of our Christian experience. Jesus is born. Christ will come again is, is, is the not yet part. You know, we repeat that often. Christ will come again. The promises of, of Christ all but assure that. He, he told his disciples, he shares with us, that he will return. And in between, he will send his Holy Spirit to come and to support us, to walk alongside us, to, to counsel us, to, to comfort us, to give us peace, to strengthen us and lead us in every way. The, that which is um, already, but not yet. That's the Christian experience. And we live in that tension all the time. The great good news for today is that we are in between the already and the not yet. And as we contemplate that, we can't help but be hopeful, not just for what is is to come or for what has happened, but hopeful in the, the day in which we find ourselves remaining uh, full of all hope, regardless of what we face. A man went to a Little League baseball game one day and asked one of the young players as he um, passed by the the dugout what the score was. And the the little boy replied, 18 zip, and we're behind. And the man retorted, oh boy, I'm I'm sure you're you're quite discouraged. And the boy replied, why would I be? We haven't even got up to bat yet. There you go. <laughs> Hope springs eternal. We very well may experience disappointment, hardship, failure, 
grief, tough circumstances. We may have even, uh, may have even experienced and lived through some of those this, this, past, uh, this past season. All of those things are a part of the, of the life experience. But we are, are a people of the already, but not yet. And that gives us hope, profound hope, for the here and now. And may we uh, live in that. I'm sure that Anna and Simeon did that as they had uh, longed for, those, uh, the, for, the, for that time when, when God would act in, in sending Jesus. They, uh, they, they had to be buoyed with a present hope that God had indeed acted and that life was now right as God was, uh, was intersecting his creation. We do not live in darkness because we live in the light. We celebrated that just two nights ago. We do not live in darkness. We live in light. And if we have learned anything this Christmas, let it be that. We do not live in darkness. We live in light. We have every reason, every reason to be hopeful. May God bless us. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the hope that you lend our lives. We thank you for the hope that is ours in Jesus. We are thankful that you have sent your Son. We are thankful that he is born and born anew in us. Lord, we thank you for the grand promise that Christ will return. We thank you that in, uh, in that hope and promise we, we have every reason to to cast our gaze well beyond this life to, to all eternity. And in, the inter- and in the interim, as we uh, seek to live out each of our days, we pray that we are buoyed by both of these things, that, that Christ is born and that Christ will come again. May we be a people of hope, trusting in you each and every day. May we be uh, much like uh, Anna and Simeon, looking for your good work through Christ each and every day. And as we do, Lord, we pray that we um, find our lives void and strengthened regardless of the things we face. God, we love you. We need you. And we seek to give you our lives. Blessed be your holy name. For we ask this prayer in the name of your Son, the one who is born. Amen. Let's spend this time thinking on these things. May it be that as we pray, as we contemplate, as we seek after our Lord, that hope is built deep within. Mm